Well, good morning, family. Good to see you guys. God is good. Crossway, you ready to hear the gospel? Me too. Me too. Open your Bibles then to Psalm 117. Psalm 117. Uh, This is the uh, shortest psalm in the Psalter. Uh, In fact, it's uh, the shortest chapter in the entire Bible. Uh, So you guys are really going to need to pay attention to the reading of God's Word. It's two verses. So I don't say this with, with a smile on my head. Seriously, please give your attention to the reading of God's Word. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol Him, all peoples. For great is His steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. This is, the, this is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, you say, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I think, who talks like that? You are someone special. Your words are eternal, durable, reliable. Please give us ears to hear your word today that we might be changed. Shape us to love the right things. Come, Holy Spirit, in your power. Do your work through your word. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Something unusual happened this year during the NBA Finals. There were two teams from two different nations competing for the title this year. Anybody? Did you guys notice that? Three of you? Great. All right. The Toronto Raptors squared off against the Golden State Warriors this year in the NBA Finals. And something else unusual happened every night before the two ball teams battled, if you were paying attention. There was a battle of sorts of the national anthems. And social media went wild about this. People were comparing the different performances each and every night. During each of the games, the teams both uh, raised both the American flag and the Canadian flag, and each had musical perform, uh, performances of their respective national anthems, and they performed with great passion. It was as if each performer was trying to outdo the other one night after night after night. And I've got to be honest, it felt a little strange to watch an NBA game and hear a crowd of Canadians sing their anthem in Oakland, California. That just kind of hit me weird. Never, never really felt that before. You see, what I was reminded of is that an anthem is not merely a song with a tune. It's a particular kind of song. An anthem is a song that identifies and unites a people group, right? An anthem declares to the entire world, this is who our people are, and this is what our people stand for. So in other words, an anthem is a big, loud, we song that we sing together. When they sang, Oh Canada, I couldn't sing along because frankly, I don't know the words by heart like Canadians do. 
like my brother-in-law and sister do. And now, you know what? I don't know the melody. So when they sang that every night, I couldn't sing along with them. Hearing their anthem sung to me was an interesting experience because it reminded me in no uncertain terms that I was not a part of that people group because I could not sing their anthem with them. Guys, you don't have to read very far into the Bible to discover that God's plan for the world has always been bigger than just saving a few random individuals. Rather, God is currently redeeming and creating a big, diverse people for himself, for his own praise and his own glory. Early on, even within the few pages of the Bible, we read that God made promises to a Gentile named Abraham to do this very thing. If you look at Genesis 12, God talks to Abraham and he says, I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a great big wide promise that God makes. God has promised to create a nation, to create a people out of all the other people groups in the world to praise his name. That's the purpose of this people that he's making, to praise his name, to sing his glory. And Psalm 117 tells us what the NBA final shows us. Nations sing anthems. Nations sing anthems. You see, God desires all people groups to sing his song, his anthem, if you will. But the problem is this. The nations cannot sing God's anthem unless someone teaches them the words and the music. Kind of like I couldn't sing that anthem. God's covenant people are called to teach the nations to sing God's anthem. That's what Psalm 117 is teaching us today. God's covenant people are called to teach the nations to sing God's anthem. Our job, our mission, Crossway, is to invite all nations to learn God's anthem and sing along with us. Didn't we just sing a song? Sing with me, how great is our God. That comes from Psalm 117. But we aren't saying, come sing America's anthem with us or come sing Canada's anthem with us. We are inviting them to sing the Lord's anthem with us. We're saying, come be Christians with us and sing to the Lord his song that he wrote. And this divine anthem has two main verses. The first is that God is the Lord over all. And the second is that God's love has conquered us. The short and sweet but very profound song that we sing. So let's dive into it. Here's the first verse of this anthem, this God anthem. God is the Lord over all. Verse 1 says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him all peoples. That means people groups. When the church calls the nations to worship God, we are not calling them to adopt our culture, our worship style, our clothing style, or the language that we speak. 
God wants his covenant people to be a diverse and global people. But neither are we calling the nations to worship God however they imagine him to be. We're calling him to worship God as he is, as he has revealed himself to be. We are calling them away from their false gods which have profoundly affected their lives and affected their cultures. The church teaches this anthem to the world. God is the Lord over all. Whether you recognize him or not, whether you believe that or not, whether you acknowledge him or not, the fact is he is the Lord over all, all things and all people. God is the only true and living God. He has authority over everyone and everything. And so to call people to praise the Lord is to call them to acknowledge something very specific about this God that we are worshiping and calling them to worship. The Lord is the creator of everyone and everything, which means that he has absolute and highest authority over any other authority, throne or kingdom or individual. That's the significance of what we're saying. That's what it means. The Lord judges what is right and what is wrong. The Lord determines what is good for you and bad for you. Our culture doesn't define those things. The Lord, do, the, 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 the Lord is the one that determines all of those things. And isn't that kind of wonderful to know that those things aren't up for grab? They're not up for grabs. Wherever you go or whatever time you live in, there are some things that are stable and they stay the same. And you can know them, and you don't have to guess. It is good news to say, praise the Lord. But not only that, the Lord is also the Redeemer. He's not a Redeemer. He is the Redeemer. It is the Lord that saves. It is the Lord that rescues people. It is the Lord that gives life to spiritually dead people so they can be part of his own people. This is also good news. When we call the nations to sing to the Lord, we're proclaiming to them that the best thing that could ever happen to them, the one thing that would make them the most happy in their life is to acknowledge with their mouth and to believe in the depths of their heart that God is Lord over all. So what does that mean for you and I? What does that mean for us? Well, it means that if we're going to teach the nations this anthem, that means that we must be people that actually enjoy this truth ourselves. Yikes. Uh-oh. Right? If we're called to do this and tell and teach and sing to the world this anthem, that means that, first of all, we've got to enjoy it. And I do mean enjoy it not just subscribe to it. Because you can only sing what you enjoy, right? Let me ask you, Crossway, does your life sing, God is the Lord over all? Da-da-da-da, he's the Lord over all. <laughs> does your life sing, God is the Lord over all, including my life? Lord over my afternoon. Lord over my attitude toward others. Lord over my plans this week. Lord over my purchases. Lord over my relationships. Lord over my recreation. Or does your life say, I am the Lord 
over some of those things. In other words, I'm asking, do, do you, does your life say the Lord is overall dutifully and with clenched teeth, yes, he's the Lord overall. <laughs> you guys know that I love asking what I call heart questions. Not, not, I didn't mean hard, I said heart. But heart questions are hard questions sometimes, right? Questions that help us sort through what we claim that we believe and reveal what we truly believe in our heart. And I love you, so I'm going to ask a heart question for you. Does the absolute authority of the Lord sound like good news to you that frees people? Or does it sound like bitter news that dominates people? Take some time to come to an honest answer to that question. It's an important question. Because if we are going to be a church that teaches God's anthem to the world, we ourselves must see how true and good and wonderful it is that the Lord is the Lord over all. Now some of you may already know that you can't answer that question with a resounding yes. And if that's you, I want you to pay attention to the next verse of this anthem. It's a good verse. God's love has conquered us. God's love has conquered us. Look at verse 2 here in the psalm. For great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. It's an interesting psalm. You, you should praise the Lord. Why? Because he's been good to me. Us. You should praise the Lord for his lordness because of how loving he's been to us. It's an interesting psalm. There is nothing more crazy sounding to unbelievers than when Christians say that God is the Lord of their life. That's crazy talk to them. They don't understand that, right? The only thing crazier is when they see that our lives actually revolve around that statement. And we've made changes based on that statement. I mean, it sounds like bondage to a, to a dictator to them. They cannot understand why we would enjoy this, much less make that truth the very rule of our life. But the psalmist clearly tells us why we sing praises to the Lord. He says, for great is his steadfast love toward us. The Lord is not only the highest authority in all the world, but he is also the Lord of love towards his people. Here is good news to the world. God has not, and he is not, using his authority and his reign and his power for petty and personal advantages like a dictator would. Rather, God has leveraged all his authority to advantage us, who, by the way, at one time hated him, and if we're going to be honest, still despise his authority over our life from time to time. Can the church say amen? Yeah. That's how he's using his authority and reign. Isn't he a great God? See, we proclaim the Lord to others because he has used his great power to work salvation on our behalf. The word great used here in this psalm is used other places in the Old Testament to mean prevailed. 
Like in Genesis, during the flood, it says that the waters rose greatly over the face of the earth. It means that they prevailed over the face of the earth. The earth just kind of drowned. They gave up. It conquered them. It's the same word that's being used here. Conquered the face of the earth. That is what God has done to our hearts. And that's why we sing his praises. God has prevailed over our hard-heartedness. Amen? God has conquered our sinful rebellion. God has conquered our ignorant thinking about him and about reality of life. That ignorance that leads to death. And how did he conquer us? How did he conquer us? By brute force? Not exactly. By his steadfast love toward us, the psalmist says. By how he used all his authority and power to bring us into his redeemed covenant people. And no one's done that for us. You see, for Israel, God showed his steadfast love and his great power by rescuing them from bondages in Israel. They weren't a people when God met them. They were slaves. And he showed his great steadfast love by setting them free, by parting the Red Sea, by feeding them bread from heaven and water from a rock in the desert and by making great promises to be their God and they his people and by keeping that promise by entering into covenant with them before they were not his people. And then God graciously made them his people before they were not an us. You know what I'm saying? They were not the us singing this before. They were not a nation, his nation. They were a them like everyone else. Does that make sense? And then in his prevailing love, he conquered their hearts and made them an us and gave them an anthem to sing to the world. Psalm 117. Where do we see God displaying his great steadfast love love towards us, family? Like, where do we see God fulfilling his anthem of Psalm 117? Well, it's through Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. He is this Lord. Let's look at 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions. Why? That you, Psalm 117, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. That's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Or we could, Paul says it this way in Ephesians 2.11, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember, remember, that you were at one time separated from Christ, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world, but now. And the two great words? But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near 
by the blood of Jesus. This was a costly thing. Or we could go Romans 15. Paul says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promise that he gave to the patriarchs. That's, that's Abraham. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore I'll praise you among the Gentiles. I'll sing to your name. And then Paul quotes Psalm 117. Verse 11. He says, And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, all you nations, and let all the peoples extol him. This is why Christ came. This is how it happens. So let me ask again, why do we love singing praises to the Lord who is the king over all? Why? What's the motivation behind all this? Why do you and I invite others to sing his anthem with us? It's because when we were a them, God made us an us at great cost to himself. He shed blood over that. Once we were not a people, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we are now the covenant people of God. Before we were separated from God in our rebellion, we were separated from his people because we were resisting his authority, and we were separated from his blessings, we were separated from his promises, and we had no hope in the world. Our life was as good as dead, brothers and sisters, and you know what? We didn't even know it, and guess what? We didn't even care because we didn't know it. We didn't know what we didn't know. That's how bad off the situation was. But that is all changed now through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Christ the Lord became excluded and cast out so that you and I could be included and brought in. Christ, who is the Lord, leveraged all his power. He leveraged all his authority to advantage us even though it disadvantaged him. What great love. What do you think about that? What great love. And it is, see, it is his love that has conquered us. And we say, I'm in, you're king, I'm the servant, you're the ruler, I love you, let's go. I know your role, I know my role, and I'm good with that. I want that. Oh, great King Jesus. This is why we invite the nations to sing with us. Praise the Lord. It is a good thing. It, in fact, is very good news to the world. So, brothers and sisters, as you go through your week, look for opportunities to teach this anthem to others. You're not trying to argue with them. You're not trying to answer all their questions. That's apologetics. There's a role for that. I'm talking about evangelism. I'm just saying, just say it. Just say it. Just say it. Simply sing to them God's anthem. Tell them how God's love has prevailed over your heart and life through the cross of Jesus Christ. And then invite them to sing along with you. That's our calling. That's what we can do this week. Amen? I love you guys. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we love you. You are the king over all things, and we love you for that. We believe it's good news. And Lord, the places in our life and places in our heart where we're struggling to believe that that's good news, where in fact we are resisting that, would you please, out of your great love and kindness, would you reveal that to us? And would you, oh God, change and soften our hearts? Lord, we thank you for how you used your great power and authority to rescue and ransom us, to bring us in to your people. Lord, let the gospel melt our hearts. Let the gospel change what we love and help us, help us want you. Give us a new wanter. Our wanters are broken and we need new wanters. Do that through the power of your word and the Holy Spirit. And in the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.